This is CliffCentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliveCentral.com. <laughs> All right, all right. So today's a big day for South Africans, or in South Africa in general, really. And people are feeling very, very jubilant and triumphant and happy. And that's got nothing to do with sport whatsoever. It's because Jacob Zuma, probably one of the most deplorable, dreadful individuals anybody's ever set foot, well, set eyes upon, has resigned as South African president. I feel I have to open up with that because it's a meant day for many people. And even though there is still much to do in this country with all the rotten politicians and the corruption and all the other things that held us back as society, at least this is like one thing. It's like one thing. It's like the Springboks beating the All Blacks once every 10 years. I liken it to that. It's it's something. It's not going to change everything, but at least it's something. So people are going to be celebrating. They were celebrating last night already. And it will carry through today. Best Valentine's Day present for anybody. Everyone loved that. All right, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because this is a sports show and you are here for the sport and I have lots of it today. So, uh, my prep piece. Here we go. We've got a really great uh, rugby interview today. So there's a guy called Brandon Shields. Now what he does is apart from being a fantastic rugby follow on Twitter, as a guy I've been following for quite some time, he's developed something called Ruggo.net. And basically what that is, is it allows you to have analysis, real-time analysis of your team playing rugby. So up until this point, rugby analysis, of course, is something that's very expensive. Uh, it's got to be based around video kind of footage, and it takes a while to kind of analyze, put together, and all that kind of stuff. He's developed this thing that's real-time. It's in the palm of your hand, in your cell phone, and schoolboys can use this. Club rugby players can use this. Basically, it's going to be something that could revolutionize the game at an amateur level. So I'm going to chat to him about all of this and what, how he got to making this kind of stuff, how you can use it, and how he believes it can take the game forward. Then we've got Champions League, lots of Champions League stuff to catch up on. Ronaldo scored his 100th goal yesterday in the Champions League. And with that, well, it just kind of brought Real Madrid back into the fray. I know they've had a bit of a dodgy season, but uh, all that matters is the Champions League, really. PSG were down by them yesterday, and it was a big rally check for the French team, of course. They had it their own way this whole season. Plus, we've got the big Otis Gibson kind of question, conundrum situation. There was a article that went out in Cricket Info this week by Fidoz Mundia, uh, basically saying that, you know, his fairy tale beginning has now turned into a nightmare. And I kind of agree with her. I always feel that she's a journalist that seems to cop quite a lot of flack. I mean, I don't always agree with what she, she writes about, but in this particular article, I think she's kind of, um, kind of highlighted some really good points, which I'll elaborate on later in the show. But we got to get started off with Brendan. Palesa gives me the thumbs up. So when Palesa gives me thumbs up in life, I know everything's going to be A-OK. He's on the Skype line. So while the cool and the gang serenade you with more, I shall get that onto the mixer. See, Palesa, this is where I go wrong. I don't prep the mixer. I prep everything else except for the mixer. Now I've got to dick around with getting the sauce, getting the Skype. Yeah, it's not easy, huh? Right. Okay, live from Bethlehem. Brandon, can you hear us? Uh, can you hear you fine? Yes, then. Thanks, Ben. I've always wanted to say that, live from Bethlehem. You're the first person to be able to say that with. Yeah, that is a bit weird. It did sound funny, didn't it? Okay, so it turns out that I've actually been following you on Twitter for quite some time. 
Um, and then obviously you're approaching me about chatting about the Rugo network. So, you, I mean, you're a guy, I mean, rugby's been in your, in your blood for, basically from day one, I take it. Yeah, kind of. Dad is a professional coach. So I, um, you know, spent most of my life growing up with a, with a ball next to a pitch. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't, don't want to be limited by that. And I had, I had other interests, but, uh, yeah, rugby is, is a fairly big passion of mine. Well, look, it's a game that's been intrinsic to our society, I guess, for so long. And it's also been a game where we can actually compete against the rest of the world. Now, I would like to say that about cricket as well, but we're going backwards there. Football, not so much. So at least it's a game that's really kind of been able to get spectators and fans and players alike to really be diehard about it. Now, what you're doing with this Rugo.net is that you're trying to get school kids and more sort of amateurs, um, semi-pro level rugby into the kind of modern world by utilizing technology to become better. What started you on this path? Was it just an extension of you wanting to do more with coaching? Yeah, Ben, I was looking to, to travel to Ireland uh, a few years ago, and I um, was working on a skills program with Leinster at that stage, and I met ex-Springbok Dan von Sale. Um, he's, he's quite involved with the under-15 development at, at Leinster. And uh, we were just discussing, you know, the things that, limitations in the in the amateur game and in the schools game and one of the key things were the the lack of proper analysis because um, you know all these analysis systems were were video based um, very expensive and and slightly overkill for that level so um, you know while we want a, a little bit of analysis and just to see what coaches should work on and and you know the kind of things that trip up players uh, we couldn't really do so at any level below a uh, first team level and and especially in schools that don't have a lot of finances this was this was not even possible for the first team so the the whole mission was just to to find a way to to bring analysis into the game without it costing a fortune and and with it being quite mobile you know understanding how most schools function okay well i've got about 73 questions in the back of that but let's start small is it something, I mean, like, of course, rugby to background, you understand the game, the nuances and the breakdown. But do you think that maybe, I don't know, is, is it is it the right thing to do to get kids involved in this kind of stuff because it makes them more serious about the game? It gives them too much structure, too much to worry about. Is it not just an age group where you should be learning to play more and worry about the more serious stuff as you get later on? Or are you more of the school of thought that the earlier they can get into this, the earlier they can understand the breakdown of the play, the better? Ben, it's a little bit of both. I think, um, you know, in the early days when I was playing around with ideas, um, you know, I, I looked at my dad. He was, he was coaching a schools team here in Bethlehem at the time. And, and I felt they were spending far too much time on, on, um, your set pieces and scrumming and the breakdown and not nearly enough time, um, you know, passing the ball and having, uh, you know, kids try things and be a bit more adventurous. And, and, you know, I started taking statistics of the, practice or their training sessions and uh, kind of correlated that with matches. And then I could show my dad right at the start that, you know, you have nine scrums in a game, yet you pass the ball 168 times. Um, of your scrums, you know, you win a certain amount of possession, but if you can't pass properly, um, it's, it's kind of worthless winning the set-piece possession in the first place. So, you know, we had this argument, maybe stop scrumming every Monday because you've done so for 14 years and, and rather spend a lot more time getting the kids to, to chuck the ball around and be a bit more adventurous. So, uh, you know, we've, as I structured Rago and, and tried to come up with the kind of stuff that you can and cannot measure, 
um, I tried really hard to bring a bit of adventure into statistics. So, you know, for example, a big focus is on playing the ball wide and for coaches and players to know how many times the ball actually arrive at the wing. Mm. And, um, you know, it's a scary statistic uh, that in South African schools, rugby, you have about 4.5 times a match when a ball gets sent to the wing. I'm talking now under 14, 15, 16 level. And going over to Ireland now recently again, and there was a team there, not a very good team. They lost the match, but they passed the ball 27 times to the wing, you know, managed to chuck the ball around 157 times, which is a lot higher than what we see in South African wow. rugby. So, you know, from that point of view, using analysis does not have to be about limiting players. It's about telling them, look, there's a lot of scope out there. There's a lot more things we can be doing with this ball and, and you know, setting a benchmark to, to, to maybe try yeah, it just seemed, I mean, what, 4.5 times to the wing. Okay, well, it's still double the spring box. I mean, there is that. <laughs> yeah, but, but that, Look, that is... if you watch the spring box play, you can totally understand why these wingers struggle. Um, because, you know, if you, if you, if you only receive the ball when you're 14 years old, two or three times, um, you know, where do you learn? Where do you hone so those true. skills? And, and, you know, if, if you're not getting ball, it's never going to happen. So we shouldn't be disappointed if our wingers are not that sharp anymore. Okay, well, within two minutes, I'm sold because I played wing at schoolboy level. And um, let me say, I could, I could run fast in a straight line, and that's all I could ever work on because I was chasing kicks. I, I basically yeah. was a springbok wing. <laughs> no, 100%. You know, I feel we still play 13-man rugby, and, and yeah. luckily through Rugo, I'm always able to prove to coaches. You know, I was working with a team just yesterday, and the guy said, no, it can't be right. It just cannot be right. You couldn't believe after 60 minutes that they flung the ball twice to the wings. I said, well, you know, start using the program and you'll you'll see for yourself. It's quite shocking. But I guess it just makes so much sense because, I mean, as you say, like traditional practice was, right, today we scrum next uh, – so Tuesday we scrum, Thursday we work with other set pieces and the, and the backs can run with the ball a bit. It's like, I mean, sure, you've got to have your set pieces right because we all know you can't go anywhere in rugby without a good set piece. But understanding like why you have the ball, I mean, it's so easy to get lost in that kind of stuff, especially when you suffer a loss and your egos get hurt. So, I mean, when it comes to using this program, how, how do players or I mean, how do teams or schools get involved? Like, what's the first step to getting this? Look, they could just go onto the website. It's, it's rugo.net. Um, they register their team. It's it's entirely free. Um, you. You know, put up your school name, you put up your team name, and um, then you choose your opponent. So at the moment, because the season in South Africa hasn't hasn't really started, you have a lot of people measuring their trial games or just mock games and and kind of play around with it. Now um, it's it's fairly simple. The the app changes screens based on what happens on the field. So you know, you tell it where on the field the next set piece is going to happen. Then it wants to know what set piece it is. Say a scrum. Who feeds the scrum? Is it us or them? And then who wins the ball? So as soon as the ball is in play, it automatically changes screens. And there you just measure your own team. You know, if, if you have the ball, you're going to be passing, you're going to be kicking, you're going to be picking and driving and that kind of thing. If the opposition has the ball, you're only going to measure your own tackles and missed tackles. But um, as soon as the whistle blows, then the whole thing starts over. So the, the user is, is, is guided fairly effortlessly through through an entire match and um you know obviously in the background everything's calculated and, and the the analysis worked out and, and it's presented at half time so uh, last year while we were developing it i was lucky to, to work with the school in bethlehem and 
And, uh, you know, by having stats at halftime, we, we actually ended up winning quite a few games that we would have lost. So it's a little bit cheating on the one side. And then you do get to to learn quite a lot about your opponents and their weak points um, uh, through this analysis. But, but mostly it focuses on your team, what you do well, what you can do differently, um, you know, how effective you are with ball in hand, how effective you are with the, the, the position you win off your set piece and that kind of thing. So it's, it, it should be quite innocent. Um, it's not meant to, to entirely change the world, but I think it's a start as far as, like you said at the start, getting uh, uh, schools and clubs um, to start using a bit of science. Yeah, Brendan, my, my mind's buzzing here right now. So this obviously, you know, it'd be great to have a visual component to this interview to show you exactly what you're talking about. But the yeah. interface, I mean, how easy is it to use? I mean, do you have to go and physically train people to use this this platform? Look, um, you know, to be reasonable, uh, a lot of people do ask because they're kind of scared that they're going to get it wrong. Um, in Ireland last year, we made a lot of mistakes. People were starting to play leagues already and, you know, you stand next to the field for your very first time with the Strago app and, and guys are getting a bit flustered. So the South African season now, we have a bit of time and I um, urge all coaches to go on. And even if you sit at home and you watch the Cheetahs play or whatever, press a few buttons and, you know, analyze that game so you can get used to it. But the minute you, I think it, it takes about eight or nine minutes um, for, for most of the guys that, that use it to get into it and know exactly what's going on. So it's really not very complicating because um, rugby is not very complicating. It's fairly straightforward. You have your set pieces and you have open play and that's pretty much it. Now, what's the sort of buy-in been initially with the schools level? Because, I mean, when I was at school, you would have your coach that would basically tell you that before a game on Saturday, you must eat a packet of potatoes and a steak. And, you know, <laughs> like some very sort of old school ways about going this. I mean, I know rugby's evolving hell of a quick in schoolboy levels, but almost like semi, semi-pro nowadays. But have you found any sort of opposition from people who just don't want to take this on because it might seem like extra work for them and might show them up in their inadequacies? Um, you know, not not the latter. I think in the first part of, of your question, the I've I've had coaches who who trying to get their heads around who's actually going to score this and who's going to take responsibility for the phone to be charged, and you know those kind That's of logistical point. issues around it. But but it, it's been amazing how quickly everyone makes their own plan. Once they understand how it works and they know, okay, I'm going to use that injured player or I'm going to use my assistant coach or I'm going to use this guy. And um, so people kind of figure it out. I've tried to be to subscribe and let people know how to do it or how I think it will work. And, and it turns out everyone just does it in their own way and whatever works for them is fine. But as far as showing up inadequacies, um, I have not had a lot of uh, negative feedback at all. I think uh, timing was an issue. If, if I did this two or three years ago, there might have been a lot of coaches who said, look, now this is fancy stuff and mm. we don't need this and the kids should just play. But suddenly in, in the South African landscape, I found it changed dramatically over the last two years with a good 100, 200 schools now oh, wow. chasing the top 50. So everyone's kind of looking for an edge and looking for something new to do, not only in their, their training techniques, but in, in whatever other uh, resources they can use. This is so exciting because when you look at rugby going forward as a sort of career opportunity, like there's another thing, I, I love talking about the business of sport and the background of sport. If you're a kid and let's just say your parents don't want you to play rugby, you love the sport or you suffer an injury or you're just not going to play for the first team, but you love the game. This is like an ability to 
give someone an outlet so you can have a technical advisor per per team. I mean, if it's just a, like we all know that rugby is not a fifteen man game. It's it's the reserves, it's the coaching staff, it's the people who are even involved in preparing the field. It's a really really big thing of a school. Yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely something that's like IT can get involved in kids who just want, who love technology, which is, let's be honest, all kids nowadays. I mean, yeah. you must be seeing some amazing stuff happening around teams with, with this app. I do. I'm, I'm often quite surprised now, uh, when, when a new school gets involved with the program to see who they choose to, to be their scorers. And, you know, it's, it's almost always this bright eyed kid who you can see is not going to make even the B team, yeah. but you know that one is always first at training and, and very keen to get involved. And they got their little phones ready and and super excited at halftime to be showing the stats to the to the coach. So it's a little bit of an in for a lot of of kids who previously might have not had any in in a team. You know, you don't get to go on the bus, uh, you don't get to be a part of the tours or anything like that. And you know, my hope from the start was that Rago at least get six or eight more kids on the bus um, and 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 being part of this whole project. And and you said at the start that rugby is at least a sport where we perform. You know, you come to the free state and rugby is is really not doing well at all. Um, the boys hockey is taking over most of, of the even Afrikaans schools yeah. and you wow. can understand why uh, rugby has a bad reputation for parents who are over aggressive and um, it being a violent sport so even though hockey has more injuries it just looks cleaner, it has a cleaner reputation and, and rugby is suffering so hopefully in some way or form this product and hopefully a lot, a lot of others come along um, in the next few years will, will make rugby something exciting again and something that, that involves a lot more people, not just your bruisers and your, your naturally um, talented athletes. Yeah, well, when you've got a team that can only scrum but can't pass, I think that's where a lot of violence comes in because the kids get frustrated. If the ball's flying around, the kids have got to be fitter, they've got to be smarter, they've got to be a lot more alert to the actual game. I mean, I'm, I'm only seeing wins here. I really do. Cost-wise, I mean, is it something that obviously you, you're pitching towards the schools that they, you know, a variety of budgets can then obviously take it up? Yeah, um, we price it at the moment. Obviously, there's a free version. You can always use it there. The only downside to the free version is you have no season tracker, so it's only match per match per match, oh, okay. and you can't really compare what's happened before. But, you know, if you're a, an under 13B team and you just quickly want to have a look at what your team's doing you know you'll always be able to use this for free and then for teams we charge 990 per year for a license and you can obviously pay monthly as well I think it's just short of 100 bucks a month so it's um, you know the, the, like I said at the start it was all about making something that's affordable um, it should always be able to add value without you know really hitting the budget and, you know, the hope is for me that and what we've seen so far, luckily, is that, that most schools buy five or six licenses. They don't only buy one for their first team. And and I was very vocal about that from the start. This is, you know, not going to be the greatest tool for your first team. You're still going to need your video analysis. And if you want to delve a little bit deeper into player-specific stats, then go for something else. But But anything below the first team... Uh, Rago is going to be sufficient and you're going to get a lot of value. Well, that's Brennan. This really is amazing. Okay, so where do people go into it? What are their first steps? How do they find it? All right, they go to www.rago.net and they'll see at the top right there's a register. Click and you're going to click to register your team, add your town, add your school, add your team. 
and you're good to go. You can start scoring a game straight out. All right. Well, see, so you're already taking calls. I mean, this is going so well. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been I've been pasted a little bit by this local school because we're doing a bit of skills training this afternoon, and you know, the kids just want to know: Are we going to take contact or not? <laughs> There's always that worry on a Thursday. It's been raining an awful lot, and you know they they're already out of their comfort zone, so they don't want to be taking too much contact in a skills session. So that's <laughs> that's probably what that call is for. <laughs> but thanks, Ben. All right, Brandon. Well, I, I wish you all the best with this. I'm really looking forward to how this is going to develop because, I mean, this has been so informative. And unfortunately, we haven't got hours and hours chatted about it, but it's just amazing. I'd love to see how the interface works in, in live play. I mean, it, it really is just, it's just so cool. And to think that if kids are getting into this, then by the time they become more adult stages, who knows how, how much greater the skill sets are going to be. So, I mean, no. I, I, well done. If nothing else, I can tell you right now, well done. This is amazing. Thank you very much, Ben. And I think in six months or so, I'll stop by and I'll give you some of the feedback from all the South African schools and we can pick up on some of the statistics that are interesting and, and how our play differs from, say, England and Ireland because obviously there's teams from all over the world scoring. So that'll be a nice chat if you're interested. Yeah, damn right. No, I love this kind of stuff. I really do. And the fact that it's locally based, even better. No problem. Thank cool, Ben. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Ciao. Bye. I, again, I, I say this on like a monthly basis. Like, where was this when I was growing up? Like, there's just such cool stuff that kids can use and they're going to become better at stuff as a result. I'm not jealous. I'm just, I'm happy for them. So into Champions League. Last night there were two matches or this week there's been four matches. And, uh, well, it started off with Juventus. They were 2-0 up against Spurs. They were looking really good. And then they completely, utterly fluffed the lead. It just absolutely went downhill for them. They even had a penalty to win it. Uh, but no, 2-2. That was the result there. Um, who else played? Man City, they played Basel. Hammered them 4-0. And then Liverpool hammered Porto 5-0. But the big game last night was PSG. They went to the Bernabeu to go play Ronaldo and Real Madrid. Real Madrid have not been good this season. They really haven't. PSG, all the money, all the expectation. And I called it a while ago. I said they're going to become, they're going to come unstuck in this Champions League. I think Real Madrid will be the first people to knock them out. The round of 16 it wouldn't be good for PSG. And well, last night. Is that a penalty? It's Kroos who goes down on the spot and scores from the spot. Real Madrid won. Paris Saint Germain won. So Paris Saint-Germain started off pretty well, but then Real, they had so many different chances. They really could have actually scored a lot more. Ronaldo himself could have scored three times in that first half. It ended 3-1. Ronaldo scored twice, and now he's on 101 goals. 101 goals. 101 goals is incredible. It's absolutely astonishing. Just to kind of give you some perspective there. If you look at Champions League top scorers, Wayne Rooney in his entire career, scored 30 goals. Thierry Henry, he scored 35 goals. Ruth van Nistelrooy, 35. Didier Drogba, 36. I mean, these are all big names, right? These are all good footballers. Thomas Muller, the Bayern Munich stalwart, 40 goals. Karim Benzema, 31. Alessandro Del Piero, 42. And the legendary Raul, 66. So these guys all had careers that you can be so proud of. And really, I mean, you talk about it forever and ever. 66 with Raul. Then we get to the upper stratosphere of football. Lionel Messi, 97 Champions League goals. And as of last night, 
Cristiano Ronaldo, 101 goals. That's just amazing. He's like a top scorer for years and years and years. In the Champions League, he's just been incredible. He's been so consistent. And obviously, once he got to Real Madrid and became the, the superstar he is now, the guy has just been a force to be reckoned with. He's just absolutely amazing. So I put a blog post out on the Bouncer.co.za this morning about just basically breaking down his amazing feats. And it's just it's staggering to see how consistent someone can be at the highest level. We all know that it's the toughest thing to get to the top and stay there. And that's exactly what this guy has done. And just to think, like, with all the money in the world, all the distractions in the world, he still managed to be so brilliant. There's no other word to describe it. Out of his 101 goals, 13 have come from the head, 71 from the right foot, 17 from the left foot. 86 of his goals came from inside the box, 15 came outside the box. Of course, he is Real Madrid's penalty taker. Real Madrid have got a lot of guys who can dive very well, so he's got a lot of goals in the box there. Um, it's just It's absolutely brilliant what this guy has done, and you can't help, even if you're not a Ronaldo fan, you can't help but just understand the greatness of, of what this guy's about. And to see that he is now, what, he's like 32, 33, how much longer he can keep the intensity up, because I'm sure every season starts obviously without too much of a break, but every season must start with a few more aches and pains that he can remember. And, um, you know, that's the real tough thing about as you get into your thirties. I mean, I know I'm, I'm 30, 36. I'm a shadow of my former self, which I've said many, many times in this show, but there's just clever ways of managing your abilities, managing your skills. And that's exactly what this guy has done because he knows that longevity, of course, is, is a key aspect for him. Now he's got all the skills. He's got the pedigree. It's all about how does he stay at this level? And uh, good on him. He's looking sharp as ever. And he is the first guy to 100 Champions League goals. So those are the, the results that so far happened in the first leg of the last 16. So next week, we'll see Bayern Munich, who topped their group. They'll take on the Besiktas from Turkey. Chelsea will take on Barcelona. So Messi's four goals behind Ronaldo in the grand scheme of things in the Champions League. And uh, Chelsea not looking so flash right now. So Barcelona will feel they can definitely win that one. And then the other two ties, other two matches from this tie, Sevilla will be taking on Man United. And then Shakhtar Donetsk will be taking on Roma. That is your last 16 wrap-up of the Champions League. Very, very exciting times, I've got to say. Because like I was saying last week, I mean, most of the leagues are pretty much all done. Um, nothing really exciting to worry about there as far as, you know, Paris has got La Liga. Paris Saint-Germain's got France, League One, or whatever it's called. Bayern's going to win in Germany. Man City's going to win in England. So, I mean, unless you're really passionate about the other smaller leagues in Europe, I don't see any of them really being too exciting on a, on a front. I mean, maybe Italy, but a lot more competitive. Okay, so Serie A, go ahead. But we're going to get into crickets. Uh, I know there's more football to talk about, but ugh, Champions League still already comes right now. I want to kind of dedicate a bit more time to the cricket right now because, well... It's been disappointing, to say the least. It really has been. We all knew that the Test Series was going to go the way of the Proteas, and um, good for them. They won the first two Tests very well, and then the third Test, on a horrible wicket, and I'm saying from a bat- batsman's perspective, on a horrible wicket, the Wanderers, they came unstuck, and they lost to a team that was meant to be inferior to them on these kind of surfaces. That momentum was then taken into the one days. And, uh, the Proteas have just, well, they've basically broken down like a cheap alpha on the side of the road. They've, they've lost players. They've lost all plan. And there was that one shining light, which was the pink ODI last weekend, where the Proteas were forced into being attacking. So the 50 over game, I still believe has a place in cricket because there's all these little subtle game ups, like 
ebbs and flows. You know, 50 overs, you can't just obviously go flat out like you do in the 20 over cricket. But also like in test matches, you can't just sort of, you know, find your way. You've really got to have a plan. And I think some of the best cricket teams in the world throughout the ages, if you look at the real glory sides, they've been fantastic in the 50 over um, game. Obviously, test cricket, you know, is the ultimate test. But there's something cool about 50 over game because you need great players in a variety of positions. And they have to be strategically executing what's going on as far as game situations are concerned. Probably doesn't make any sense, but I'm making this too too complicated. The Proteus team has always been pretty good at one-day cricket outside of the World Cups where it really matters. There's always that in brackets. But right now, they seem absolutely, what's the word, just clueless. I mean, the great players, take them away. I know it makes a huge thing, but there doesn't seem to be a plan. There doesn't seem to be a plan at all. So let's dial it back a bit. Let's dial it back to day one when Otis Gibson was given the task of coaching this side and just his thoughts as of day one in the job. Ronaldo is still going. Uh, Just his thoughts from day one, and we'll take it from there. Uh, For me, it's an honor to be here um, this morning, but especially to, to, when I think about it, to sit here and and sort of refer to myself as the head coach of the Proteas is is an amazing thing, you know, and I'm really looking forward to working with a group of players you have, working with Cricket South Africa. Um, we all know that a lot has been said about the World Cup in 2019. That is the that is the big goal. But there's a lot of time between now and 2019. Um, England, I've worked with England on two, two separate occasions now, and, and every time we've played against South Africa, there's been some good battles. Um, but the one thing that I've always seen is a lot of amazing talent. And I, and I know that there's a lot of amazing talent in the country, and, and I guess my job is to is to get that talent to perform on the field. Um, when we've played against South Africa, I've had really good discussions with Russell Domingo. I think he's a top guy, and I, and um, you know I got to pay a lot of respect to him for where he took the team and the job that he did, um, along with his support staff. And, and I just want to say really that I'm looking forward to this opportunity to to hopefully do something special uh, for the country of South Africa and with the team that you have, you know. So thank you for coming here. You know, Doc, when he walked into the room, said he's never seen so many so many press at a cricket, uh, so many people at a cricket press conference. And I must admit, when I walk in, my heart sort of heart rate went up a little bit. But I'm sure you'll take it easy on me for the first for the first part of it. Until we get until we get going, so thank you all for coming. Well, fitting words. Take it easy on me until we get going, and get going he did. But he had like really sort of basic opposition. It was Bangladesh and Zimbabwe, and I mean, who who he knows? India was going to be the first test. So we find ourselves at a point where we're not taking it easy on him now because he'll be like any other coach, and he'll come in under some major scrutiny as far as what's going on right now. Now it always worries me. And we've seen this so many times in SA Rugby as well. When people start saying, but we're focusing on the next World Cup. We're working towards a future date. That to me is just such a hit and hope and it takes away accountability. And that is what all things should be around in sports. You've got to be accountable for every single game. Like the saying goes, you're as good as your last game. And right now that means approaches are crap. Like there's no other way of really saying it. So if this is focus on 2019, there wasn't much player rotation in this ODI series, was there? 
And, um, you know, I started the series off with my usual joke around Bayardine time because I find this guy is an unlikely cult figure and I like him for that. Uh, I don't think he'd ever been able to merit his, his place in the team. But up until you look at his one-day form in the last season, the joke I always had is actually becoming true. Like, this guy must be in the team. He's shown himself as a white ball specialist. I know internationally he hasn't set the, the, the arena alight. But, you know, you learn from your mistakes. You become stronger. You start understanding there's a difference in the, in the level of play between domestic and international cricket. I think in many ways, when you look at Bayardin's gone, he's sort of um, – you know, this is the progressional place for him. You know, he's now at a mature age. He's understanding what leading a team is. He understands how to finish games. He understands how to last a game. Because let's be honest, that guy, even for the pro tiers, has come in in times of crisis and at least given them a position where they can get to respectable score. All those things I just said now, how valuable would a guy like that be in this pro tiers team right now? You say you want to work with different players. Fair enough. Great. But they're not performing. And then you get to a position where you are five, uh, what's it, four one down with one to play, and that one was a streaky win at best. There's got to be a better understanding here. You're working towards 2019. There's been injuries. We all say that, blah, blah, blah. But this team right now is just not understanding how to take on India. I know they've got the wrist spinners, and there's a lot of excuses that can go around and are kind of founded. But I would like to see that there's a better plan here. Apart from bringing Berhardin in, because obviously he's not going to be like the silver bullet that's going to turn things around. What is the plan with the seamers? Otis Gibson was talking about the fact they keep missing their lengths, but yet, as pointed out in that um, ESPN article by Fidos, we've got four bowlers who are seamer-wise pretty standard, um, was pretty much the same. They, they like to hit the back of the lengths, um, you know, as they come steaming in. So the opposition batsman can obviously get into his own and read this kind of stuff. So, you know, like you don't want to be harsh on Otis Gibson because he's obviously new to the environment and the, and the the culture of SA cricket. But he is ultimately in the, the day he's still the Proteus coach, so he'll be analysed and scrutinised and judged like anyone else. This team right now doesn't seem to have a plan, and that is worrying because even if you have players who aren't your first choice, at least you can bring someone in who's going to do something different, or at least try something, or at least show that maybe there's something that can add variety to the team. Just not seeing it, eh? just not seeing it at all. So if this isn't going to be the team that's going to be around for the 2019 World Cup, we need to see more changes. I'm not saying wholesale changes like drop these guys or whatever it is, just throw in some other new unknown player. Because I don't think our domestic cricket level is high enough, unfortunately. We spoke about this last week, where we can be so sort of cavalier with how we pick and choose our teams. So yeah, there's a lot of mitigating factors towards this team being where they are right now. But I'd also love to see if there is going to be some some variation, some some balls to kind of go with this. Otis Gibson, to his credit, decided that Adam Markram is going to be the captain for this series, not because he's a stand-in, but more because he is the future of SA Cricket. So I will applaud him for the fact that he has shown some balls to pick Markram and to say this guy's a future leader, he's a fantastic batsman, he can justify his position with the bat easily. And at the age of 22, 23, he has the ability to now lead from the front. Okay, awesome. Unfortunately, his form has gone south. So that plan at the moment looks to be backfiring. Okay, but still, 2019, is this guy going to be our captain? He could be. Who knows? Faftu Basi's still got some time in his career. But now, where's AB going to fit in? What's Hashem Amna's kind of deal? Is is Miller ever going to be given, ever going to get to the point where he's going to be consistent? I mean, these are all massive questions. I don't feel there's any answers to it right now. And um, it's, like, it's quite good that we've seen a guy like Heinrich Klaassen come in. He's definitely shown something. Lungi and Giri, no doubt about it. He is the future. Kukisa Rabat is a proven performer. Morne Morkel, you know, is this guy, we're talking about new players, there's a prime position to have a new player. I know he's got experience and he throws his hands up after every delivery like something's about to happen. 
but it's just uh, I'm I'm frustrated, and I'm also frustrated the fact that there's a guy like Morgan Morkel coming in at number nine. Like, how long is the, is this tale? And sure, there's another issue. It's like, and I'm thinking aloud here because I'm just too frustrated and I can't find answers. But you, when you're in one day cricket, your number nine can't really bat, which obviously means number 10, 11, even worse. That's also a bit of a concern when it comes down to matches because sometimes your top order will fail. And the Proteas don't ever seem to have a backup plan. I mean, for India right now, they're, they're slicing through this team with absolute ease. And even when Kohli fails, they'll still win. You know, it's just, it's, it's hugely, hugely annoying. It really is. And um, I know what people are saying as well. There's no point being the best team in the world between World Cups. It's all about being the best team at the World Cup. And maybe this is the best thing for these guys now, that they're getting such a massive hiding from the in- Indians. And Otis Gibson alluded to himself. You know, you can you learn so much from this. Maybe it isn't such a terrible thing. That's all good and well. But we need to have a plan around things. We need to have a plan about who's going to be bowling in a certain way in certain times of the game. We need to have batsmen that can come in and really shake things up because a lot of the time we've shown in the series, our batsmen are just standing there, just waiting for a bad ball or just trying to get themselves in. Unfortunately, if you want to be the best team in the world and you really want to do something, your batsmen have got to go out there with no fear against the bowlers and really put the bowlers under pressure. I can't say the bowlers have been under pressure for India other than at the Wanderers game where time was obviously forcing the Proteas into batting well and batting hard. But just look at the way Darwin goes at the ball early. Look at the way Sharma was so good in PE. And look how Virat Kohli approaches in innings. There's real intent there. I know a lot of it comes from confidence too. But there's real intent and these guys are really doing something. So hopefully we can learn from this. Because there is so much cricket coming up. Which is also a good thing for the Proteas. So I I really do wish Otis well. Uh, I do. But there seems there needs to be a better plan I think. I just don't see it, it it's happening right now. And I wish him better luck with injuries. Because obviously that also helps. The Aussies are up next. I know there's still four more matches in the Indian series. Uh, tomorrow at Centurion, the 16th of February, there'll be the last ODI, which is a complete another dead rubber because the series is gone. And then we'll see three T20s where a, a few sort of fresher faces, so-called, come in. A lot of the Proteus Test players will be rested for that, obviously, because they've got now four tests coming up against the Aussies in March. So this is a very exciting time for SA Cricket because there are so many games being played. I know we spoke at length about the fact that the IC, IC3, England, Australia, India, get all the sort of, you know, the, all the big fixtures and they play a lot. And sometimes teams like South Africa are on the sidelines. But we've got great fixtures coming through, great ways to test the ability. And I just really hope that we can get a bigger plan than where it is now. Yeah, I, I can't say anything more. I feel like I'm babbling. But it's just, I think, I, I feel the pain that all South African cricket supporters are going through right now. We don't really have much to latch on to. It's 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 sad and it's a bit worrying, and I really hope we can kind of bounce out of this. That's pretty much it for the show this week. Um, if you didn't, if you are listening live and catch the full interview with Brendan, it's um, it's so exciting to see that technology can come into sports at a young age, and people can really benefit from it. So you can catch the rest of that podcast or the rest of the interview. If you catch the podcast, which will be on the bounce of let's say after twelve o'clock midday, otherwise cliffcentral.com. The second uh, episode of the Bounce vlog is out, and you can get that on the YouTube channel at Follow the Bounce. Otherwise, the third episode will be out on late on Sunday. So if you do subscribe to my channel, it'll always come out sort of late Sunday evening, or if you just look at it on a Monday. And uh, of course, follow my other channels: Instagram, The Bounce, Twitter at Follow the Bounce. And this weekend, sports-wise, well, golf is going to be a huge sort of more like the fan fest back. At Riviera for the Genesis Open, that will be Tiger returning. Dustin Johnson's defending champion there, but Roy McIlroy's playing, Jordan Spieth's playing, 
Tommy Fleetwood's come over from the European Tour. He's playing a lot more, obviously, this year on the USPGA Tour. He's going to try to put a full season together. I mean, that guy's been dynamite. And in his last four starts, he's been sixth or better. And he was just absolutely majestic in LBW with his last title. So that's what you got to look forward to. Um, there's been an extension on the Sunshine Tour. There's a few more events locally for golf, if you are interested in that. We'll get into that um, tomorrow in the sport on the Gareth Cliff Show, right here on cliffcentral.com. Otherwise, Super Rugby gets started. Uh, we've been through the format and how that's changed. It's now 15 teams. Well, four of them will be playing in the first week. Uh, it sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? It's like you, you want to start with a bang. You want to get the new, new tournament going, but only two games. The Stormers will be hosting the Jaguares at uh, five minutes past three South African time at Newlands. And then the Lions will be hosting the Sharks at five o'clock. So you've got two games there. And then all the other teams will start playing as of next weekend. Winter Olympics still going strong. Loads of stuff to watch there. I mean, apart from the fact that curling seems to happen every single day, all day. There's exciting skiing, um, all kinds of things with speed. I mean, it really is just like the Daredevil Olympics. It's just so cool. Can't get enough of that. And then, of course, there's rugby, other rugby. Uh, Six Nations will take a break this weekend. It'll only come back next weekend. And then cricket, we've, of course, got uh, Sunday. The Wanderers, the T20, both men and women will be playing. And football-wise, well, we've got a full fixture list for the local and international leagues. But you can catch up more of that tomorrow on the Gareth Cliff Show right here at cliffcentral.com. That's it for me today. That's it for me this week. And uh, catch you next week. But, yeah, catch the blog and uh, be a lot more sort of golf stuff. I'm finally going to be able to release that golf video I'll be making on Royal Johannesburg's East Course. So that's something to look forward to as well. Catch you back next week. Thanks for joining me. This is cliffcentral.com.